Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Hart Midlothian Football Club, still the only unbeaten team in this season's Scottish Premiership, although not in the way that we would have liked. The we in question is I, myself, Adam Kennedy, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Daniel McIver. McIver, how are we? How was your weekend? Oh, it was great. Uh, oh, I'm Generally, outside of football, I'm doing very well. But within football, it wasn't it wasn't the weekend we all hoped, expected, or wanted. How are you? Um, I'm pretty much in that exact same boat, to be fair. It's, isn't it amazing how a week or two ago I was on about how all aspects of my life were like doing quite well simultaneously? And if I had to choose one that would be the most likely to let me down, it would probably be Hart Midlothian Football Club, and here we are. You know, a couple of weeks later and Hart Midlothian Football Club are well and truly back. Um, we are going to talk about... The drop points at home to Dundee, uh, at Tynecastle, obviously, at the weekend just there. However, before we go around the grounds like we usually do, um, I've got to get something off my chest. And I can see you nodding in agreement. Um, so, let's see. Last, no, the weekend before last, we obviously travelled to Ibrox to take on Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. Obviously, our last episode was in reference to Craig Halkett's masterclass in nicking a last gasp equaliser. Um, however, the following Rangers fixture um, saw them take on Bronby of Denmark uh, in their Europa League uh, group stage match at Ibrox uh, a week on uh, sorry Thursday night after we played them the Saturday. Um, and Hart's Twitter blew up. Not anything to do with the game per se. Um, but more one of its attendees, as Bristol City loanee Taylor Moore was amongst the 50-odd thousand in Glasgow's West End uh, to welcome the, the Danish champions to, to govern. Um, I was out on said Thursday night. I, I'm, I hold my hands up there, there and then. Um, however, once I had seen that Taylor Moore was at Ibrox cheering Rangers on, and obviously intoxicated. I'm not using that as a defence mechanism, but that's obviously, it is what it is. Um, it's fair to say that I, I was not very impressed. Um, I thought it was disrespectful to Hearts, um, the fans and whatnot, uh, until I learned the, the ins and outs of the situation and why he was present uh, in Glasgow at Ibrox. Um, and so, Taylor Moore, on the off chance that you're watching this... Um, <clears throat> I would like to wholeheartedly apologise, um, given the the stuff going on with your granddad and whatever. Um, send my best wishes to the family, and if I overstep the mark at all, then I wholeheartedly apologise. Like I say, I, I, I mean it's not just me. I, I didn't fire any personal abuse toward Taylor, um, but if he thought that my comment or whatever was, you know, out of order, then for that I I truly apologise. So, sorry, big man. Right, wait, hold on, because first of all, fair play to you for doing that, um, that's, that's very big of you. I will say, I take one issue with what you just said. Carry on. It doesn't, it doesn't matter why he was there. It, the explanation was heartfelt, and it's obviously I share the exact same sentiment, that it's really, really genuinely, really sad what's happened uh, with Taylor and his family. I hope he and his family are doing okay. Um, but he shouldn't have had to told it, tell us all that. 
that should have stayed private. It is nothing to do with us. It didn't matter why Taylor Moore was at that game. Whether he was there as a Rangers fan, it doesn't matter. He was at a game of football. He shouldn't have to explain himself for being at a game of football. I think in hindsight, both he and I, I wouldn't have tweeted and he probably wouldn't have posted given what happened oh, yeah. eventually happened. Yeah, he definitely so wouldn't have. Yeah. That's, that's just one of these things. And I'd also like to give a thanks to Robert Borthwick for well and truly putting me in my place on Twitter. Um, I, I didn't now, tell him to do that, by the way. That was not anything to do with me. Not, I was just happy that he did it. No, I, 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 I know that it was genuine from Rob, and I did exchange a couple of DMs with him after. Um, well and truly put me in my place. I do intend on growing up. Um, I'll, I'll get there, Rob, but... Obviously, I am looking to educate myself as well with, you know, attending Scottish football matches as a neutral. When when will this go out, McIver? This will go out on Wednesday, so 5pm right, okay. Wednesday. Well, we're recording Monday night, so tomorrow night, hence us moving this pod, um, I'm going to be taking in the Ayrshire Derby. Um, I'm sat in the Somerset Road End, cheering on the mighty Air United as they look to take down Kilmarnock. Um, so... I just want yeah. to say, what you're we'll doing there. is worse. If you're using How? your logic, what you're you if you're like using the logic of, oh, shouldn't we go to opposition games? At least Taylor Moore didn't fuck off a Hearts thing that he had to do in order for Rangers. You are fucking off the podcast. Excuse me. Are you questioning my so loyalty to Heart and Midlothian? Is yes, that essentially what you're doing? Yes, you're a, I am. You're a scumbag. Uh, listen, there's absolutely no need for that. Hey, I made this pod. I can do what I want. Get it up, everyone. It'll come out when it comes out. However, as Daniel rightly says, this podcast is dedicated to all of our main love, uh, the mighty Jambos, um, and we're going to talk about the rest of the action within the Scottish Premiership at the weekend, um, as that's obviously the division that we play in and contains numerous rivals such as Rangers. Um, however... Around the grounds, Saturday afternoon, uh, Aberdeen got the better of Hibernian, 1-0 at Pataudry, so long may Hibsy's recent woes continue. Um, Celtic breezed past St Johnston, who we of course play uh, Wednesday night, getting the better of Saints by a 2-0 scoreline at Parkhead. Uh, it was a 2-1 win for Dundee United at Tannadice, as they saw off the Steelmen, and again, they're keeping tabs on us, now moved level on points with us actually, giving our drop points to Dundee of course. And the other Saturday match was up in the Highlands and it saw Ross County be defeated at home to Livingston by a 3-2 scoreline, a last gasp winner for Livy. Um, so that was obviously the Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it all kicked off in Paisley. 12 o'clock kickoff in Paisley, I should say, as St Mirren hosted Rangers. Saints took the lead early doors, but Rangers came from behind uh, to grab a 2-1 win. And again, they're another... that obviously it affects us in that they've now pulled three points clear and I thought the buddies were actually genuinely going to do us a favour but of course I'm not that stupid um, and a Rangers win seemed inevitable once that we dropped points but anyway what did you make of the other five fixtures uh, before we get talking about the famous uh, well I'll start with the last one you mentioned St Mirren's goal was obviously amazing Oh, and Right at the start of the game, and I was thinking, oh wow, they actually might get a result here. Uh, but no, Morelos gets his 100th goal, and Rangers just kind of 
continue to tick along in this form of they're still nowhere near as good as they were last season, but still picking up points and wins, which is very frustrating. The Celtic game, Celtic just kind of seemed to be starting to hit form now. It was very routine. The most exciting game was definitely the Ross County Livingston game. Um, it was just mental. Penalties everywhere, last minute winners, David Martindale losing his mind on the uh, touchline. Very, very entertaining. Livingston are now, I don't know if you could say, starting to find a wee bit of form just to fuck you over and like as if personally offended literally by what you said last week i saw the living stats and they were the only team to have not scored an away goal in the entire division and here they are churning out six goals in two games winning at mcdermott park so i dread to see our result on wednesday um and up at ross county where we drew two each so they are well and truly pulling my pants down in that respect but carry on Definitely. Uh, Charlie Mulgrew hitting scissor kicks just sums up Dundee United right now as a club. Just mental. He got the assist as well, so he had the game of his life. What a ball and it's, for, the, for the Edwards. It was it was an unbelievable cross. Um, Tam Courts, what is he doing to that team? Like They just seem unbeatable just now. However, it's st- I, I won't go over it because it was our easiest win of the season apart from Livingston. It That's what so... I can't believe. Like even when you look at their other results, they picked up a point at Parkhead. They beat Rangers at Tannadice. They demolished Hibs at Easter Road, and yet got swept aside by us. Like what's what's going on? It's very it's very very strange. Uh, and then of course <laughs> the <laughs> the most predictable game of football <laughs> that there was this weekend. I mean. Hibs didn't have a shot on target and again listen, I just saw the highlights and highlights do not tell the story of a game but that first half they were lucky to not be two or three down Um, yes they came into it later on in the second half but uh, Aberdeen just looked far more solid, Darren McGregor's red card was ridiculous, I don't know what he's doing, do like, think, he's just been stupid. Sorry mate, do you think that Dave Cormack's now spot on with the stats and all well, this, this is the end. This is the he's, he's right isn't he, he's right he was right to do what he did I did notice somebody share on Twitter the fact that they had less possession in that game, you'll have been guided <laughs> and, that's, been and that's, the, that's the one that they win and I was driving back from the Hearts game on Saturday, I'm convinced I heard on the radio them say that that's their second clean sheet in 23 games. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I heard that stat as well. That is ridiculous. Like, see if you actually yeah. break that down. That's mental. Yeah, it's 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 pretty insane. And again, it's another situation where teams we're about to play soon get that win that needs to boost them on and make them confident. But hopefully, midweek, they go back to losing... And we can go to Pataudra and get a result that we often don't. I can remember an Abiola Dauda winner. In the in most Pataudry. meaningless game of all time. Yep, and apart from that. However, that is later, but it was very predictable. I saw Hibs had never won back-to-back games at Pataudra since 2004. Wow. What's that? That is. Why so, did you, why so did you that, not send that my way for who scored? I'm very sorry. In yeah, fairness, Barry that's Anderson fine. shared it, so you should have been on that. 
Oh, well, immediately. Barry, you're a mug. Um, no, I, th- <laughs> I think you're right. I, it was all, all too predictable. I actually had Aberdeen Hibs to draw. I didn't think that Aberdeen... I mean, it is hilarious that of all the teams to choose... Aberdeen chose Hibs to, you know, register that first one. I will say that. I said a few weeks ago, when we had both... It was that weekend where we dropped points to Ross County and then they dropped points to St Mirren, both in two all draws. And at that point, we had basically had mirrored results. And I said on Twitter, it's going to be interesting to see if one team starts to fall away or if we just kind of maintain pressure on each other. But Hibs, I mean... They've got Celtic midweek as well at Easter Road. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not looking good. They no. do have quite a good record against Celtic at Easter Road, in mm. fairness, but it, I know they're still like going to do well. They've had a rough few games, but three losses on the bounce after no losses is some drop-off. Like It is. It really is. Um, elsewhere, I mean, I, I think the rest of the results were all to expect. I had 3-0 Celtic, finished 2-0. Uh, United 2, Motherwell 1, I got spot on. I also had Levy in both teams to score, although I said they win 2-1 as opposed to 3-2. Uh, That's not bad, though. And Rangers and Paisley, I said, would win 2-1 as well. So, did not too bad. Also said yeah. two goals in the game at Tynecastle, but never mind. Um, <laughs> so, we are going to talk about Hearts dropping points at home to Dundee now um, in that one all draw. Um, where should we start? Because the team was unchanged um, from the one that had claimed that last gasp equaliser at Rangers the only change that day was John Souter replacing Taylor Moore um, so Craig Gorning goal back three of uh, Stephen Kingsley Craig Halkett and John Souter Michael Smith and Alex Cochran as the wing backs with Cammy Devlin and Benny Beningame in the middle of the park Ben Woodburn and Barry Mackay supporting Liam Boyce in attack Um I think we both said that we wouldn't be all that surprised if Robbie named an unchanged 11. Were you pretty content once you saw that first 11, mate? Yeah, definitely. I was, I was on the bus in when I read the team. And the, my main thought was kind of what my thought was last week in the podcast. Like, oh, okay, um, I maybe would have preferred Gino in for Woodburn. But I was not fussed at all that it was an unchanged team. And I was thinking that team should absolutely be good enough to get a result definitely um, and I think I don't want to say we had it coming but I think when we're talking about us potentially going top of the league with a win wanting it to be convincing you know my primary frustration and I've spoken about this many many times on the podcast is talking the talk and ultimately not walking the walk however I I was rightly confident. I believe we both were. We both said a two-goal margin. I even predicted us to keep a clean sheet. Um, so we've only got ourselves to blame, really, for not taking that chance and laying a marker down, to be honest. I think particularly with the game, or the way that the game transpired early on, didn't think it was a particularly fast start. I think it's fair to say. Um, ben Woodburn seemed to take... 20 shots too many in that first half and it seemed as though if we were to score it was going to be him he loves a shot at the edge of the box which I can't fault in fairness because often at times and I've felt this way on Saturday I don't know if it was just me I feel like sometimes we try to score the perfect goal and nobody really takes a risk at the edge of the box in terms of having a ping or 
playing that pass that we're not usually anticipating is is it just me or do you feel like that wait you can't criticise Woodburn for having shots at the box they go no. why is nobody else shooting from outside the box <laughs> no but the frustration is that he's obviously not off the mark yet I don't know whether it's yeah. a confidence thing and I was thinking about this even with Alfredo Morelos you touched on it he's now through 100 goals for Rangers has that been playing subconsciously over and over in his mind and he's trying too hard now Morelos has scored I bet he bags against Aberdeen midweek if he starts he'll probably go on a wee run now whereas with Ben Woodburn it tends to happen yeah I, I just feel as though once he gets that first goal we might see him properly click into gear I hope so because it is just I do get your overall point it is just that final thing isn't clicking he yeah. gets into good positions he, he can make good runs he can make good passes of play it's just the final shot or the final pass and in fairness to some of them especially with his passing hasn't been his fault he makes the pass but then the individual whoever it is haven't, hasn't converted it but I think that was kind of the opening 10 minutes it felt like every passage of play we had we were very dominant obviously um, Dundee set up in a a mix between a 5-4-1 and a 5-3-2 and it was just that was, a, that was a 5-4-1 percent. Yeah. He literally had Lee Griffiths up on his Todd, yeah. and they were just hoping that Charlie Adam was going to send one. Like I, I, I cannot recall a side that set up quite as defensively as Dundee did for that opening forty-five. Anyway, yeah, it was it was incredibly defensive, and every passage of play we had basically it went to Suter who just kept pinging this perfect ball over to Cochrane who would control it perfectly drive forward and it tended to play into Woodburn because Woodburn was on that side for the early half of the first half Um, and it was just that final final moment I would say the bit I don't know if you're going to get on to it but the, the main chance that sticks out to me was I can't remember if it was 15 or 20 minutes in we had a chance where Benny was about three yards out for a goal. And he, if he shoots, something happens. Either the keeper has to make a save and it goes out for a corner. The keeper makes a save and it deflects into the box. Or he scores. Now, I will say this, because he gets annoyed that I never give him credit for stuff. My dad came up with a new nickname for Benny. Right. Go and on. it's Biscuits Beningamy, because he always crumbles when he gets into the box. <laughs> Biscuits. So, my dad's point was... Benny is like world class hold on a second for a man that has you know the terrace TV fame now under his belt to come up with the nickname of Biscuits (laughs) that is that is worse than my old scuffle last week that's horrendous it's atrocious it's atrocious but his point I agree with was that Benny looks like one of the greatest footballers to ever play for this club because he is outside of the 18 opposition's 18 yard box as soon as he gets into that it's like me playing it's like <laughs> if I've rocked up on the hit and just been like what happens to him because there was a couple of times in that first half where Benny just was like oh I'm going to keep doing the usual stuff that I do I'm breaking up play I'm playing great passes oh my god I'm in the box I don't know what to do panic offers options till he's in that final third doesn't he and then yeah Oh, biscuits me, man. <laughs> I can't get over that um, I'm pleased that you mentioned Alex Cochran because I thought that he was 
probably one of our main outputs in that first half, to yeah. be honest. If not the very main output. I think Cami Kerr at right back for Dundee seemed to leave acres of space to him to try and exploit. And yet, I don't know if this is just me harping back to Saturday incorrectly, but it seemed as though we would often go down the right-hand side, like you said, because John Suter's on that side. Michael Smith bombs on, as he so often does. But yet, that final ball, I don't know if it was solely Michael Smith or whether there's numerous players that could be blamed for it, but if we're connecting or trying to connect down the right-hand side, it just wasn't coming off. And my frustration was that we didn't switch over to the other flank because Cochrane had acres of space to roam into. And every single time Cochrane went down that flank, we looked like we were going to do something. It wasn't even just a frustration of, oh, what could have been Luke Cochrane's in that much space. It was like, we know what we could do. Every single time Cochrane gets the ball, he looks like he's got to beat care and either swing a ball in or cut it back to the edge of the box. For me, it was... Or slipping Ben Woodburn for his 25th shot of the half. Exactly. I know it's kind of making a general point and we're so early into the discussion, but for me, it was man of the match. Like, I just thought, again, I know I've made it very clear that I love him. And uh, a lot of people kind of go, it's weird that you focus on him when there's the obvious, like, Benny, there's Cammy Devlin, there's Boyce, there's Gordon, Suter. But for me, Cochrane is as crucial to them because I say it every week, and I'm waiting for a week for him to prove me wrong. He just doesn't put a foot wrong. He just, every single week, I go, he's probably going to have to have an off game or an off moment, but just... If, if he ever makes a mistake, which I, I can't think of at the top of my head, he just immediately drops back in. He doesn't try anything fancy. He doesn't try to beat players if he doesn't think he can. Keep he doesn't it simple, try play. steady Eddie type, isn't he? Yeah, he's not playing Hollywood balls to the... He's not doing what Suter did to him and playing cross-field switches and stuff like that. He's just going, I know my job. I know what I need to do. And one of the... I wouldn't say it was a complaint, but one of the worries about him was that early on this season he seemed like he was quite... Like Benny, he was panicking when he got quite far forward. I feel like in the last few games, he's really fixed that problem. Like, Cochrane now looks like he's wanting to attack as much as Kingsley was doing in that position. <laughs> You're saying that he was the original Biscuits, in essence. <laughs> Your mate, I hate that this is stuck now. I shouldn't have mentioned it. No, no. That's a, that's a, that's a regret that's going to run from this episode and beyond. Um, watch as Benny Beningame plucks one top corner and McDermott back to the drink. <laughs> I just turn to look at my dad. <laughs> um, no, I think... Look, I we might have dominated and the stats will tell you that we did, but for me in that first half, I thought we got into good positions. It was just a case of that final ball. And not... I don't know, not really varying it up in terms of trying to find that that killer pass or I just felt as though it was too much of the same and, and we didn't really do enough to carve out any real opportunities in that first half. Even the goal isn't, like, John Suter isn't the one that's meant to receive the pass. He just so happens to be hovering and it's a great strike. Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think... The reason Suter is allowed to be that advanced, uh, Benny and Devlin were getting into the box, is because of how deep Dundee were sitting. I think most other teams, you wouldn't allow those players to get that advanced, but the game plan for Dundee was clearly just soaking as much pressure as we can and hopefully break on the counter. Um, I, I don't think they have the personnel to do that, the, like the team that they started with, because Lee Griffiths 
isn't the Lee Griffiths of five years ago where he could get in behind and run a channel like he can't do that I feel like we'll get on it in the second half I feel like that Sheridan guy can I feel like he should be starting if that's the kind of game obviously I don't know what they're doing at home I know that they're near the bottom of the league but I'm assuming at home they're more aggressive and maybe that's where Sheridan starts I don't know but our as a result our game plan meant right keep a lot of the ball we're going to have to be patient here I felt in the first half we played quite well in consideration of what we were up against like it was never going to be a free-flowing game because of the way they were going to play even teams like Livingston who were down the bottom of the league when they came to us still had a goal so as a result it allowed us to get in behind a wee bit more and our game plan especially with boys as the focal point and the wingers it's kind of built around that it's built around the wingers taking a touch pass hitting the byline and either playing a ball in or cutting in Dundee's game plan stifled that because it just bunched everybody together it was so compact they weren't moving for anything but as a result that means it can be very very frustrating <laughs> and I feel our game didn't advance properly enough to get past that frustration do you feel as though we still perhaps need a for want of a better word a conjurer in that midfield somebody mm-hmm. to Somebody that'll... I'm not saying that Benny Beningame and Cammy Devlin shy from possession. I I think they're the polar opposite. I think they're like hungry wolves in the middle of the park mm-hmm. and they'll always look for the ball back. I just feel as though we've got some... or we need somebody that can advance that tiny little bit Be further forward. Be a creative forward. midfielder. Yeah. Just... I feel like... Not that, not that Benny and Devlin are similar... But they both kind of do the same job. Like, you wouldn't expect either of them to pick that killer pass and slip in Liam Boyce on occasion. It seems... No. I don't know. I just feel as though we need some type of variation in in the midfield in order to supply Liam Boyce because he, he feels isolated. And I think he's also suffering from this kind of Morelos syndrome in that it's been a while since Boyce scored from open play. And I've said numerous times this season that I feel as though he is isolated up there. I don't know whether, and I've seen talk of this on Twitter as well, whether Ben Woodburn moving centrally could be of use because he's not performing how he'd like kind of on the flank. Um, Even at nil-nil, he's lucky to remain on the park. Let's be honest. Oh, we need need to to talk about that because that was before we'd even opened the scoring. Like... Is he that frustrated with how how a goal or a, I know he obviously gets the assist for Soapy in the end, yeah. but how no contribution has arrived yet, or is that just a build up in the ninety minutes? Like no, what's going on in his head? I think it's because Smith gets fouled and we get nothing for it right in front of him. Smith gets a two-handed shove, and Woodburn. You see, as soon as the ref doesn't give anything, Woodburn picks up more pace as he's driving in to get that ball and. I don't excuse it because obviously I'm again it was quite close to you like very you were sitting I thought he was gone yeah. I've got to be honest I thought that was I'm it a, I'm at the other end of that stand and I just turned and was like that has to be a red card like yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was bad in the moment I was like he's just flung his elbow there watching it back it's worse yeah. it's literally even worse when you watch it back because he doesn't kind of do he doesn't throw his elbow in the way that a lot of footballers throw their elbow, where they're trying to cover the ball and then they just chuck it back. 
he just goes, I'm chucking my elbow into this guy's head. So he just runs in and throws his elbow into him. It's unbelievable, especially the fact it's right in front. Yeah, at 0-0, 25 minutes in, like, there's nothing... It's not like we're 3-0 down and it's just a frustration. What is that about? That needs cut immediately. Like, we can't let that continue to happen because that was a bad call from the ref and the linesman. He's a yard away from the linesman. I know, exactly. Every week we seem to be coming on here speaking about... (laughs) But I will say, it was very funny that that challenge got looked at on sports scene but the Joe Arebo challenge does not get a mention on sports scene. What, what are you insinuating? No, nothing. Nothing <laughs> at all. Um, no, I, 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 listen, I thought he was a goner. And I will give a shout out to your your best mate. And I think it's Cammy Devlin that hauls him away from the linesman. Because I thought, if he's pleading his innocence after just doing that... How many times have you seen that where... They're like the officials are quick to dish out a yellow card, and then they'll immediately give like a second yellow just because of the complaints when the player has absolutely nothing to complain about. See when you watch back, when you watch it back, right, and it's the angle that's like the close zoom in angle. Obviously, Woodburn has the ball and it's still in play, but clearly Devlin knows what he's going to do. So Devlin <laughs> just starts running towards them, and you can see fans down the front go. Like, almost put their hands up and be like, no, Devlin, you need to be the option. Like, and then they see what happens and go, oh, it's because he's trying to go, he's about to get sent off here, I need to get involved. And he does that a lot. I've noticed that immediately about Devlin. And I know it's Cammy Devlin and Daniel's speaking about him, so therefore it's the best oh, thing in the world. Honestly, but, Devlin obsessed you are. Oh, I just love him. But We'll get on to the goal, it, because that was brilliant as well. But sorry. Yes, exactly. He said this in an interview today with Barry Anson that he was like he's immediately come in and become one of the like the vocal people in the dressing room, and he said he was like that's just my nature that that's the way I am, and I feel like you really see that on the pitch where if there is moments like that where players can potentially lose his head, he's very mature for his age and especially his position and style of play where you often associate someone who is a tough tackling like shithousery type player you often associate them with yeah yeah, you often associate that with immaturity sometimes where it's like oh they'll grow out of that I still think he has his moments like the Motherwell game when he's given that the back of the head to Callum but that's deliberate that's calculated no of course listen he knows exactly what he's doing he's he's living rent free in everybody's skulls he's like and I can't believe I'm about to usher these words he's like a mini Scott Brown but he's no, but, yeah, he's the but, exact same but, player. But, but he's yeah. our, he's our arsehole, and I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm all for it. Um, he's, he's just like early days Stephen Naismith. <laughs> there is something about that fourteen top. Mm-hmm. Aaron was right. Yeah. There's there's something about it. Um, I mean, let's let's just talk about John Suter's goal because that lit up <sighs> what was quite frankly a terrible first half. Um, soapy man. Just week by week, I just he's leaving. Yeah, I just I just get the impression he's off ski. I've resigned myself to it. It breaks my heart. It really does. I think even Robbie said something in the week, and I can't remember exactly what it was that he said, but he was asked obviously about Suter's contractual situation, and I think he said that we need to show John just how appreciated that he is here, which makes me think. Is he negotiating as being a backup elsewhere, or 
I, I, I don't know. From what I was reading between the lines, and I should have had the quote on me from what Robbie said, I, I just thought prior to the game, he's off. Um, and second goal of the season obviously arrives Saturday afternoon. It's just, it's just a superb strike. His initial pass is obviously cut out. Liam Boyce then has a shot which is blocked, recovered by his countryman Michael Smith, who obviously looks for, a, I don't want to say a, a better player than him, but a, a more likely scorer than him, let's just say. Um, opts to feed Ben Woodburn, who lays off John Suter, who, like I said, was hovering at the edge of the box. And it's not even as though he unleashes one, he just bends one into the top left-hand corner. Postage stamp finish. Adam Legdens has absolutely no chance. And it seemed as though our pressure had actually paid off. He does. He just literally opens up his body and passes it into the top corner. Like He's it was as if he, it was as if he viewed the top corner as Alex Cochran, and he was like, "Ah, okay, switching that right into there." It's just, it's just an unbelievable goal. I feel like we've had quite a few goal of the season contenders that's already. What, that's what I was going to ask. That's because that's up there. To think about who, who. What are your others? I would say Stephen Kingsley's double free kicks was, were both fantastic, and Michael Smith's goal against Livingston, the move, like the Barry Mackay feint, the switch, even Cochrane's against Livingston. Yeah, that's great as well. We often we go well, like for example, do you remember the season where Dimitri Mitchell won it with his goal against St Johnston? Yes, I feel like that was the only goal that season <laughs> that could have been like in contention. I don't remember any other goals that were class. Playing nice football, and lo and behold, we're scoring better goals as a result. I know. I mean, what a novelty. How bizarre is that? But again, yeah. that, that was my frustration on Saturday. I just feel like sometimes we've got to switch it up. It seemed as though we wanted to score that perfect goal, whereas I don't give a shit how ugly they are. I wanted I to say, batter Dundee. Earlier in the half, we did hit the bar from a yard... Yeah, and then Boyce's the keeper made a, a good save as well. I think it was more. And Lee Griffiths of, hooked one off the line as well, didn't he? The Halkett header. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it. I think it was more a case of any other day we take those chances. It's four 0 at half time. <laughs> and this, this is this was my primary frustration. I had a chat with the the talk Scottish football boys this morning before I was headed to work, um, and I I said that I just felt as though it was a carbon copy of the Rangers game, like. We essentially did to, or we, or Dundee did to us what we had done yeah. to Rangers the week prior, yeah. where they've hung in the game for long enough that sometimes all it takes is that one chance, despite the host's dominance, um, or perceived dominance, I think, in our case. Because, like I say, that first half, John Suter's goal lit up. We were better in the first half than the second, but I still didn't know, or didn't feel as though we'd created all that much. I think you're being slightly harsh. I think we it was definitely a weaker half than we've been used to at Tynecastle. Obviously, the comparisons to that is in the last two home Motherwell games, where the game was won in whatever early doors. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. It's it, it's the the only real Tynecastle annoyance since Hibs, isn't it? Really, when we yeah, like if you yeah. actually break it down, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe our. Or maybe my delusion and standards have reached such a level now that I, I wasn't I was content say, with just one. Weirdly, weirdly, it's a positive. It shows how far we've come. That 
were complaining oh overall. My God. It's like listening about... to the gaffer post match. Exactly. <laughs> However, I will say this, right? If you'd said to me last week, you'll get two points from the next two games or three points from the next two games. I'd rather have lost at Rangers and won on Saturday. I hear that. But then I also think that would leave us further behind Rangers. Although but we're not going to challenge for the title. No, but so that's but, not who we're but, competing with. Well, that's what I was going to say as well. Like Us being unbeaten after 10 games, it's a bit like running a race by yourself and losing. Like It doesn't really mean anything, does it? Like... Well, I'd say it means something because we're we're like a few points off. If we were like eighth and we were unbeaten and there were all draws, it's like, well, who gives a shit if we're unbeaten? I just feel as though this Dundee draw feels like a defeat, which makes which make which then makes you question, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I just feel as though when you claim a point at Ibrox. You have to follow that up with a win. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. It feels because like, it's like it's almost pointless it getting can- that draw. Yeah, it just cancels it out totally. Yeah, and you're right in that the loss. I wouldn't give a shit if it meant that we'd succeeded that with a win against Dundee. Yeah, which makes it all the more annoying. Like these definitely these drop points. Like Ross County are jobbers. Like, did you watch them against Livy? Yeah, oh, they're already away. Like. How can how can you be winless after ten games, and we are one of I think the three po- three sides that three. they've taken a point from? Yeah, I don't want this to be the case. It's annoying already. And look, Dundee, I think we're lucky. They, they set out to yeah, be defensive, and of course they nick it with a late equaliser. But we don't help ourselves, do we? No, not at all. We could. We had many chances in that game to kill it, and a mix of bad luck and bad finishing cost us. And one of those chances came directly after half time, right at the start of the second half, which, upon reflection, could have been all that we needed to, to bury Dundee in the end. Um, Charlie Adam, actually, before we talk about the chance, Charlie Adam, right? I, it's brilliant. It, like he looks like Zidane in the Scottish Championship. I thought the highlight of his performance at the weekend was how long he escaped a yellow card. I mean, seriously, how many persistent fouls does it take for a guy that's got affiliations to the old firm to get booked? Like it's absolutely no coincidence to me whatsoever. How many times was he fouling the likes of Benny Beningame and Cammy Devlin? It was actually I- doing my boxing. I don't think it's an affiliation to the old firm. I think it's just our refs are shit. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, it's Charlie. Oh, just, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It doesn't matter. The fact we went into half time, there was two bookings in the game, and we had both of them. It was insane. Like, the two the bookings we team. had were justified. Halkett's on Griffiths. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Halkett's was justified on Griffiths because he just pulls him back. That, that was and daft. Woodburn. Woodburn should have been sent off. So I'm not complaining about the cards we got. I, it's insane oh, they didn't have any. And I'm just, I'm genuinely just astounded that we managed to keep. Like Halkett's was off the ball, so needless. But Ben Woodburn, thank God he got pulled away because he was. I was literally screaming, "Do not protest. Take the book in and just get to." Um, but oh, Charlie Adam, man. Anyway, he's dispossessed. 
in the centre circle. The Hungry Wolves, like I say, Cami Devlin, Benny Veringame doing their thing. Uh, and it's Devlin that then spreads it out wide to Barry Mackay. Barry Mackay is the outstanding winger at the moment, I think, for us. Slips in Liam Boyce. And it's a great challenge from Lee Ashcroft. But I don't know whether it's a hesitation from Boyce or... I don't think I, it is. I don't, I think, think I, I don't feel like he does challenge. anything wrong. Like It's yeah. just one of them where it's a it's a coming together and ultimately he's just lost out. A genu- it's, it's easily the best defensive challenge we've faced this season. It was just, it was pitch perfect because you had to, it had to be perfect because otherwise it's a pen in the red card. Like that, he had to go in going, I'm committed to this, I know what's happening. Boys, I've seen people say there's a hesitation. I don't think it is. I think it's a touch that he needs to take to steady himself because the initial touch, there's a bubble on the pitch. I look at it all the time when I'm looking, there is a bubble in the box and it hits the bubble and he of course, of course it does the one place where it shouldn't go <laughs> and typically exactly. it ends up exactly there um, yeah that was the clincher I think in my eyes um, yeah. because we didn't we didn't carve out a lot really second half either I we think we a post we did and that's what I was going to come to actually because the substitutes changed the complexion of the game at Ibrox oh fucking hell dearie me that trio at Tiny at the weekend holy hell every sub made us worse <laughs> yeah I, I, it's harsh to say but it's it's bang on G- Gary McKay-Steven was probably the pick of the bunch and should score and he was still shite yeah. he was still absolutely shit. I will say this right and I think this is unless I'm forgetting somebody obvious and you might be able to oh, no, think of this here. I, I don't think I don't think I've ever in my life seen a more lightweight player play for hearts oh that's not I've never seen him I've never seen him win a challenge or when he has the ball ride a challenge ever I I don't think that's lightweight I I just get the impression that that's not Gary Mackay Stevens makeup but no but for example the player that I compared him to with my mate was Milinkovic right that's who I had in my head funnily enough that's that's weird you say that when Milinkovic came we all looked at him and went, right, we know what we're getting here, don't we? <laughs> he we're better be quick. Tr- <laughs> yeah, we're getting a tricky winger who's going to be fast because otherwise he's fucked. But he didn't. He completely ripped that up because Milinkovic could hold himself. He knew he wasn't the biggest, but he was smarter. And I, I said to, him, to Hearts, though, today, Cochrane's similar. Cochrane is not a big guy, right? Cochrane Even when he moves not- to centre-half and you see him compare to the rest of them, he appears tiny. Yeah. He's a wee guy, right? But he's really intelligent. So he doesn't go in for challenges he doesn't think he's going to. He uses his head and, and sticks a leg and tries to nick it. You can be lightweight, slim, like not built for strength and still win challenges and still ride challenges and get through. Gary McCann Stephen, whenever he goes, yes, it is you. Yes, <laughs> well done. Um, whenever Gary McCann Stephen gets the ball, I'm like, oh, okay, we're losing it. He's just rubbish. He's, I've seen so many people say he's inconsistent. He's not. He's consistently shit. The inconsistencies are his good patches of form. Uh-huh. Seriously, since Celtic opening day of the season, Where there's he been scored. 10 games. There's been 10 games since then. What's he done? He skied it against Ross County for three yards and been shit every game he's featured. 
I'm just <laughs> sorry. I'm just laughing because I'm thinking I have some cheek coming on and slating the recruitment of the past. Given this was a signing <laughs> I wanted, and I seem to have got that so wrong, but Barry Mackay so right. This, I know. How I can, is that? I happen? can see why this is such a hit and miss amongst like recruitment yeah. departments and, and scouts and whatever. That's another one. Barry Mackay's not a massive guy, but often no. I'm like, he's got to be able to use his mouse and get past people. He and does enough challenges. to shuck off and evade folk. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Because I don't even think Barry Mackay's particularly all that quick, but he he's got he's got enough. He's fast him. with the ball. Yeah, with the he's ball, probably, he's probably, unbelievably yeah, fast. He's probably quicker with the ball than without. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. What a player. Um, but yeah, obviously, like I say, Ben Woodburn was taken off, I think, at half-time for Gary mckay Half-time, yeah. Were you frustrated not to see Gino come on? Because I know that you're a big fan of his. And obviously, well, now you've voiced your displeasure towards Gary mckay Stephen. I had accused you of an agenda against him last week, and now it's starting to come to fruition here. But, I think Gino's hurt. Wait, I cannot think What's going on with him, man? He looks like a different player. He does. He doesn't look like the Josh in the last season because... It's the trim. I'm convinced that it's the trim. <laughs> but I will say this, right? Conspiracy theorists and all that. He didn't warm up. I was watching... So the subs warm up in front of us, right? I'm staying so, silent. Gino, this is all on him. <laughs> so he was wearing a coat. Like kind of big coats. The, lo- the long was, ones. Aye, the yeah, long yeah, yeah. ones. He was warming up in that, right? With a right. bib over the top of it. He had the hood up, his hands in his pockets, and he was just doing... He was clearly meant to be doing shuttles, and he was pacing back and forward, and had his water bottle, and he was just, like, occasionally drinking out his water bottle. And all the other players, like when Haring went, when Nandwili went, when Halliday went, when Moore went, when GMS went in the first half, they were doing shuttles, followed by sidesteps. Gino just stood at the corner flag and occasionally walked up and down. And I was like, what are you doing? And then... Barry Mackay got absolutely clattered at one point <laughs> in, in that second half. Around the 60th minute, and I was like, right, he's going it's to have to come Gino. off here. Yeah, yeah. Then, 10 minutes pass, and bang on 70 minutes, Gino gets brought on. Can he now only get 20 minutes? Is that what it is? Is his injury that we're just not being... Because t- we've heard that he's had a wee bit of a niggling ankle injury. I think it must be worse because... I didn't even think it was as long as that, mate. Is that oh, it might not have been. It I, might have been I less than that. I genuinely felt he got about a quarter of an hour max. It might have been that then. And when he was on, he just did absolutely. He shot from the corner flag. That was great. Yeah, this into the side net. This defle- I thought it took a deflection when I see it. No, nope. but is he trying to catch the keeper out? Is it a terrible ball? Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and this was a player that I was looking to start because I felt that Ibrox he actually looked mm-hmm. competent. And again, yeah. it's another. It, I'm not going to slate the substitutions despite my real want to because they worked so well last weekend. But, like, how... Like, if, if it is a max of 15 minutes, oh, like, again, like, why... why What's that? Yeah. Like, we've spoken for what? About three quarters of an hour already. Mm-hmm. And that's... Yeah. It's flown by for me. So, <laughs> a third, so therefore, a, a third, get you the water for a, 45 minutes. A, a third of that time, yeah. Hook, hook boys after 25 minutes if they're not performing. I don't we care. We did around to, the grounds in the same <laughs> amount of time that Gino got. If we have to if we have to sacrifice boys after half an hour because they're not pulling their weight, then so be it. Give these guys an hour. Right, I do not. 
I did not support imagine that. The di- imagine the discontent. The discontent at Tyne Castle is already toxic after like 10 minutes and we're not 1-0 up. If we're hooking boys after half an hour and they're getting dogs abuse as they're check. walking off. Oh my God. Can we speak about Nand, will we? We can, by all means. Right. Because obviously he was the second change for Liam Boyce. Do you want to touch on Nando first or how yes, fucked are we without Liam Nand- Boyce? I want to speak on Nando first because then right. it segues quite nicely into okay, how fucked okay. we are without Liam Boyce. Very so, is the answer. Yes. I think Nandwilly got the most stick out of the three subs. And whilst I understand it, I don't think he was the worst sub that came on. I think so listen, Gino. I think it was I think he was the third worst sub. Oh, I think no, were, I'm not having that. But I think they were all atrocious. I think mm. like so what I mean by that is I think I would give Nandwilly a two and Gino and GMS a one. Like they were, no one played well, and I think that was Nandwilly's far and away worst game for us. There is Without nothing in contention for how bad it was. However, I will say this: up until the 80th minute, we played like Liam Boyce was still in that park. We were giving balls into feet for him. We were playing the ball over the top, getting him to run into channels. We were getting it into him tight so he could hold it up and then play off. That's not what Nandwilly does. So what Nandwilly does is, uh, is you just need to say to your man, right, big man, stand on the penalty spot and we'll just bump balls into you. And we didn't do that until the 82nd minute. And try now, and get knockdowns and runners and all this shenanigans yeah, off you. That's, that's what I need him to do. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> How annoying is it that Ben Woodburn couldn't keep the heat? For more than more than a, than a half, because then, if he moves centrally, grabs his goal, that I believe he needs, we could have been on to a winner. We could have been entering these fixtures with confidence, as opposed to a slight little bit of nerves. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I, I really don't. I think what it showed, right? Because this is why I'm not going to give Nandway too hard a time, and I think it's a bit harsh on him that people are going. That's it. He's shit. Particularly after Henderson last week, back. if they were in the if they were in the away end at Rangers, then he came on and caused havoc. Yeah, how, exactly. How and can he, that and how can he go from that to then being as poor the following? I've got week? an answer because because, and it now segues into the next point. Armand Nandwey has had a great game whenever he's come on. Whenever Liam Boyce is still in the park. Because it does what I said last week, and what all pundits and people who have been watching the game said. He gets it, and he wins knockdowns to Boyce. He drags people out of position, so therefore Boyce has more space. He gets the ball and plays it off as Boyce runs into a channel. The problem was at the weekend, we took him off for Boyce, and he can't play as a lone striker. He, he can't do it. I'm not going to blame him for that, because it's not. His, it's just that's just not the way he plays. Like It's not his fault that he's not like that. The problem was is that it reinforced, ah, we need a striker. Boyce doesn't play we're knackered because I think even when Boyce doesn't have games where he looks like he's going to get a couple or he's not constantly peppering shots we, he is the focal point of this team we build everything around him and even when he's having an off game we still seem to play quite well because it's like he's there he, he might not be having loads of shots but he brings a ball into himself and plays it off or he's, he's dragging defenders out of position so it allows other players to have more creativity because he's so good, he's just—he's the best striker we've ever seen at this club, just, and it's hard to replace that. Just very quickly, because I—I I totally agree and back all of that. Would you risk him on Wednesday? 
if he says no. he's good to go. No, neither would no, I. Not so at all. we'll come on to that later with regards to selection and whatnot, because yeah. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. But yeah, look, not a great day out. Made all We've not the even spoken by, about the goal. Well, this is what I was just about to come to, so thanks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> made made all, the, all the worst by the Dundee equaliser, um, because they'd offered diddly squat up until 83 minutes, I think it is. When Jason Cummings, of all people, I literally, yep, yeah. Friday night, I'd said on Talk Scottish Football, I said, I'm quietly confident, but there's a small part of me that's silently shitting myself for Lee Griffiths and Jason Cummings. How I wish that I had not said that now. Um, and look, everybody knows that I am a Benny Beningame enthusiast. Um, that's in my Twitter profile. It, <laughs> He can do so much more. And I'd, I've got to be honest, I think the goal is his doing. I can't believe that I'm about to criticise the greatest footballer that I've ever seen, which just sums up how rubbish my weekend was um, because Cammy Kerr's long throw, Jason Cummings, is he's in the six-yard box. Under, under... It's not even the challenge of Benny Beningame because he doesn't challenge and flicks it past Craig Gordon at his near post. It's just... A disgusting goal to concede. And piled on the frustration for me that we hadn't taken the few chances that I believed we created. So, I actually don't think Benny Benningame is the main person at fault. I think he's the second main person at fault. Oh, wait, hold on. You're not... Um, you're, well, you're not going to blame Halkett because you love Halkett now. Or, but also, it isn't him. No, isn't I, I don't think his, it is either. It's over you're not, him. You're not going to blame the skipper, are you? So. That means yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame him, but I'm going to caveat it massively. Right. Gordon should come for that. Gordon should come for that completely. Because worst case scenario is Halkett heads it away and Gordon has time to get back in. However, the caveat I'm going to give, despite I think he should claim it, I think the reason he doesn't is that he's still rocked for getting kicked in the head. That was fucking terrifying. That moment where Kingsley just uh, frantically shouted at the bench, I was like, Gordon, he's been knocked out. Particularly after like, boys had gone off as well. Yeah, but also... Just I, thinking no, of double I mean, whammy. Like, no, I mean, it was scary. Like, I was like, All oh, right, God, yeah. is he okay? Like, because I was so far away. I'm like, I can't see what's happening. I, ca- I couldn't really see what had went on. And it was the frantic na- nature of the defence. I was like, oh, he's, he's, he's out. Like, he's fucked. I just think Gordon wasn't totally all there in that moment. I think if he's at any other moment in the game up until that point, I think he goes, I'm coming to claim this. It's mine. I'm Craig Gordon. I've got like fucking eight foot long arms. Like I can get this. But I think he's a... So that's why I don't... I'm not saying I blame him. I think he's just most at fault. But also, Benny is 100% at fault as well because he just lets Cummins go completely. Cummins gets the complete wrong side of him. And Benny doesn't even attempt to put in a challenge. I've seen folk blame Halkett for it. The ball is over his head and he must go, well, I'm not the only defender here. There is, must be people behind me. Is that because he's the one that shunts it out of play for the throwing to take place? Uh, that is I right, it isn't Kingsley. it? Oh, I, I thought th- it was Kingsley. I thought it was Halkett catching Kingsley. I might be wrong. I, might I, might need be wrong. I need to watch that back. But any, anyway, yeah, I, I, I didn't get the Halkett blame. I've got to be honest, I was obviously at the game and then drove home um, and dad fancied ribbing me for saying that 
well, obviously he listens to the pod and he knows that I believe that Benny Meringame is the greatest footballer that I've ever seen. Um, my Congolese king. Um, and he said, oh, what about your man Benny for the goal? And I was like, no, 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 he's not at fault. Don't, it was don't his know, worst. I don't know whose fault it is, but it's not him. It was his worst game, right? And then I see it back and I'm like, oh yeah, Christ, yeah, it's his fault. Just the biscuits Beningame in the box <laughs> and the photo goal. I will say though, it's a testament to how good he is, right? That I would still have given him like a six or a seven out of ten because the rest of his game was his usual great self. But Daniel, I would say don't. generally, I love him it was so his much. worst game. Yeah, I know, and he was still decent enough. Yeah, and that—that's the level that we're we're talking here. I just I yeah. love him. But he and the rest of the troops will head up to Perth on Wednesday night with me. With you, you're going. I'm not because yeah. someone's got to grind out here. I'm not going. What does that mean? I'm, well, I'll be working, but I'm not going to. Not going to out my employer here. Um, so. That sounded like you were going to be doing a live stream, and I've just left you. <laughs> oh God! Could you imagine? Right. No. Um, but anyway, Benny and the troops and you will all be heading up to McDermott Park as Hearts take on St Johnston uh, this coming Wednesday night. So this will be. What the night after? No, we, no night in after three hours time after yeah, this hours. gets uploaded. Yeah, maybe we're kicking oh, yeah. off. Oh shit! <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever done. Move to this Wednesday release. That's my bad. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, it's his fault. Blame him. That's I it. So, deal with this. so get this on in the motor when you're headed up to Perth. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, taking on St Johnston, um, we've both voiced our displeasure at McDermott Park not being a happy hunting ground for us. Um, now we've got the added factor of Liam Boyce being 50-50 we've both said that neither of us would risk him therefore and I had seen your team that you posted today on Twitter um, what would be your selected 11 to try and take down Saints are you talking about the team that has been met with unanimous support and everybody loves and is like oh yeah it's fantastic Daniel you definitely know what you're talking about not the one that's been met with (laughs) You are clueless and know nothing. And Thank God you. you're not picking the team. Um, exactly, yeah. I, I can't believe you well, dropped Barry Mackay. That's well, all this I'm is say. the thing. The greatest wide the player at the club, but that's fine. I, I realise it's a personal vendetta against me because I championed this side. Yes, you're jealous, yes, you're yes. envious. It's fine, I get it. Yes. That's fine. This is the thing. I didn't know that Barry Mackay could play in the 10. I thought he was just a winger. I'm not even sure he can, but I just love that everybody was so right. quick to hop on this bandwagon of what are you doing? Why are you dropping Barry Mackay? Also, I don't think he was 100% at the weekend. And he took a clatter. I'm like, give him a break. Give him a break for a game. <laughs> well, this, this is what I was going to ask because St. Johnston aren't in the best form. They've just lost back-to-back league games and I know that one of them was obviously at the weekend away to Celtic at Parkhead, but the one before they got scudded 3-0 at home to Livingston. So, Saints aren't in the best of shape. They've not scored in the last two games. They've got injuries aplenty. Is this the opportunity to rotate? Would you then go back to... I don't want to say back to full strength for Aberdeen on Saturday, but what are you thinking with regards to potential people to bring in here? I, I personally would rotate. For those who didn't see my team, uh, I changed formation slightly, and I know that I've been wanting to say don't change system, but I've always yeah, that caveated also that quite with. Weird. I've also caveated that with. However, there's three players that if they're out, you need to change the system, and those are Suter, Smith, and Boyce. And I'm this team 
is without voice. This I wouldn't is the say team I, I wouldn't say suitor now. I'd probably just say the Northern Irishman. That's true. Yeah, because Taylor Moore's like Taylor Moore's been um, good. Just the blonde John Suter. Um, <laughs> basically, this team that I posted was without Liam Boyce, so I went with a three-five-two. Gordon and goals. Same back three. Kingsley Halkett Suter. Same wing backs. Cochrane Smith, and then I played a three in the middle of Benny Cami, and I put I put McInerney in. There has been that seems to be one of the main things of contention. The reason I did that is because I think we need, as we were saying earlier, we need a creative player, and McInerney is the most creative of the midfielders centrally we have. I'd argue because I'd probably go along with it. And there's other, there's also the other adage of people have been saying for a while now he needs to prove himself because currently he's not getting near this team in full strength. At full strength, Aaron McInerney, I mean, he's not been even getting on the bench. Never Des- mind getting near the team. And I was going to say, despite the reports that he and Jamie Walker both appear to be performing well in training, certainly that's been the paper talk kind of this week and whatnot. So yeah, definitely. It, I think it just shows how good we're currently going. Like I think it. See, when you hear stuff like that, I think it does put it into perspective how well we're doing. That like two players who are apparently doing fantastic in training every single day are just even get getting into the match day squad yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with the McInerney thing I, I caveated it in the tweet saying I wouldn't even mind a hearing to come in and that's however what, that's why I can't fathom it's a very industrial three yes far yeah. too negative come on but I would say you push Devlin forward because Devlin's played there Devon played there in the Olympics. Devon played in behind just, two strikers. See, see, when I watch Cammy Devlin, I just, I can't. Oh, I didn't get it either. I can't. But fuck it, he's done it. <laughs> he's done oh, it. Yeah. He's done it once before, so just chuck him in for his second time. But be fine. I, I think that people raised the point of Mackay in that role. I would be fine. I would be baller if he's fit. Like I think he could. I think he could operate quite well in that position because. The, I think the thing that's been killing him is that he's not really had a preseason and he's been tasked with hitting the byline every time he gets <laughs> the ball. Whereas if he's in the ten, it, it's a lot less running. Like he, he, and you're making an excuse for him because he's got you know a fantastic fullback behind him, or should I say wing back? Oh no, of course. I just mean I I mean that as a no, compliment to him. Like he's been doing so well, even though it's like you're asking a lot of him and he's still doing it. But just one of the big is, things. Mate. What a player. Was the two strikers I went with were Nandwale and Woodburn. So a lot of people were saying Nandwale shouldn't be playing. And I put him in because Robbie said if Boyce isn't playing, Nandwale is starting on Wednesday. I know that this is in a few hours, it's going to be kicking off, and Robbie will have been lying, and I'll just look like a massive idiot, and we'll play the 3 4 with a front three Woodburn. GMS, Woodburn, yeah. and Mackay. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely that's what I That's what I'd opt for. Personally, I don't want Gary McKay Stephen playing at a minging night. Just give him Perth. a chance. We've given him a hundred, Adam. He's played nearly every game this but, year. Or, or I was going to say, as long as the chances don't fall to him, just let that's him, not what you just, want. Just let it, from an attacking player. No, just let it, just let him drift and create. Slip in Woodburn for he doesn't him to create, take an, though. But slip Woodburn take another thirty shots because he's clearly taken not enough as we would have hoped. I think it would work quite well because it means Nandwale isn't tasked with being the lone striker and doing everything. He, he can win knock-ons. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think he's play. better 
better with Woodburn on the overlap running forward with Nandwally winning knock-ons to him or bringing it down to him and Woodburn can win. Now I realise that Armand Nandwally is the perfect profile for a Hart Midlothian centre-forward. Exactly. Utterly, utterly useless in front of goal. <laughs> just a massive brick shit house that will bring others into play and let them do the I couldn't. I couldn't understand the people going... Ewan Henderson is the solution to our Armand Nandwili problem. I'm delighted you brought this up because I also saw... I, I thought about trying to incorporate a little loanee section here because I noticed... Is it Aidan Denham, I think, was on loan at Berwick Rangers? I saw him yeah. score against the mighty Sterling Albion in the Cup, although the Beano's obviously progressed through. What a team they are. League Two's finest other than Kelly Hearts. Um, and then the Ewan Henderson talk. Now, we're obviously recording Monday. Um, so yesterday... Uh, there was a game on at Fur Hill, obviously as Queen's Park are playing there for their League One campaign and hosted Aloha, um Ewan Henderson's lone club. Um and I believe the Spiders were three two up heading into injury time. Ewan and Henderson bags a brace, remarkably, and all of a sudden he's hailed as, you know, the Murrayburn Messi and all this shenanigans. Like why he's not the answer, is he? I cannot be arsed with it. Because people were going He's the replacement for Nandway. I was like, you shouldn't be comparing them, but fine, let's compare them. So I did. So in Twitter, I posted this. Ewan Henson has played 44 games for Hartman Lothian, got four goals, four assists. Armand Nandway has played less than half of that, 21 games, and has got six goals, four assists. Somebody then took an issue with that, saying, oh, well, they're not similar players. So I went, okay, here's a direct comparison. Josh Ginelli has got the exact same stats, four goals, four assists, in exactly half the games, 24. So we have players... Listen, Ewan Henderson always tries hard. You can never say that he doesn't care or that he doesn't put himself about. There is no... I am not surprised uh, Ewan Henderson is doing it at League One level, but it's League One level. We are currently three points off top of the league unbeaten. There's different levels to this. In the top tier. And... And he he was subbed. Has he started a game yet? I mean, he probably will now next week after that performance. But I I don't know. I, I need to get in touch with my pal Kieran. He he commentates for Alwa. Um, I'll I'll ask because he seems to be a big fan of him, which again doesn't surprise me that he's I'm, good I'm delighted for because yeah, he'll be good at that level. I think he'd be good for a lower end championship side as well. He is yeah. not good enough to feature for us competing for the European places at the top of the week. No, isn't it bizarre how we are just loving watching Hearts, talking about Hearts, and yet we're clinging on to the dross that's just been of the past like two, three years. Like, let's just move with the times and forget about this dark era that we're hopefully now creeping out of. Richard um, Cobb uh, replied to me going, God, one week ago we were title contenders, now we're calling for Ewan Henderson to be the Messiah. What's happened in the last week? Like... <laughs> Point. Um, but of course it is a massive week for us um, given that we travelled to Petodri to take on Aberdeen on Saturday, they've got Rangers at Ibrox in midweek so they'll hopefully get scudded um, I don't want to dip into the Aberdeen game too much because obviously the St Johnston match I, I, I believe to be the bigger one given that it's our next one that we probably have a better chance of winning Um but you've touched on your selection. Are you going to give me a score prediction for our trip to Perth? I am. It will be our first loss 2-0. Wow. It's Perth. We never do anything in Perth. 
we didn't do anything in Paisley, and this is this is part of the podcast. I know, but it can't it's... happen twice. This it's never going to happen, right? We're never. We have chosen a name that can never come to fruition. We will never win at Perth and Paisley in the same season. Tynecastle to Tannadice? That doesn't quite work. <laughs> That's um, rubbish. I am going to say that all good things come to an end. This is blind optimism here. St Johnston nil, Heart of Midlothian one. Armand Nandvili heard it here yeah, first. Yeah, we'll keep a clean sheet. Yeah, Saints haven't scored in their last two league games. It's us. It's a fair point, but no. Like <laughs> oh, you don't have a response to that. Just oh yeah. No, shit. just just blind optimism. <laughs> That's the only reason why I'm I'm not adamant. Oh, I'm not even quietly confident. I don't, I'd, look. I don't know. We probably will get beat, but do you know what? We're trying to we're trying to get rid of this negative mindset. PMA all the way. That's that's no, where I'm. I at. want. I also because I'm just throwing this at you. We're not going to be back until after the Aberdeen game, so I also want an Aberdeen prediction from you. It will be massively affected, obviously, by Wednesday night's game. Oh, but just... here, on Monday, oh. the 25th, oh. how do you feel about Aberdeen? You've just taken that, that phrase entirely out of my mind. Watch Aberdeen get something at Ibrox now. I know. Exactly, <laughs> just, it's going to happen. Just, just despite with us. Um, Aberdeen won. Hearts won. Oh, I'm also going for a draw, but I think it's going to be more entertaining than that. I think two all. Interesting. So you think we'll pick up one point from our next two games, and it'll be yes, I do. And I've it's gone, going to be the start I've of the for fall. Four points from a potential six. <laughs> I mean, what I is hope wrong you're right with me? Oh, I mean, in fairness, I hope though, I'm wrong. I'll put six it, from six. Yeah, looking at it, you you are right to be as confident as you are looking at the table and the way we're playing. I'm just a realist. I wouldn't even say the way that we're playing. I've literally come on here, slated the performance for the best part of an hour. I just feel as though it's like law of averages. Like, this bipolar behaviour will continue. Watch us watch us, watch us go to uh, to McDermott Park and win, and then we'll probably get beat off Aberdeen, who will have just come off the back of a humiliating defeat at Ibrox, probably. Well, listen, you can say all you want about law of averages. I feel like I've been saying that for about a decade. <laughs> go to McDermott Park. It's like one of these days, it's go to, we're going to get a result. They're always shite. However, this is the first time we're going to see a St. Johnson team that's actually good. I know they've not been in good form, but they're a good side for the first time. Oh. Because we were off last season. We weren't here to play the best St. Johnston team ever. Well, that's what I was going to add. That have lost Kerr and McCann and don't seem to have really... Replace. I bet Sean Rooney still exists. Sean Rooney's injured, mate. Is he? Yeah, he's out for a couple. Oh, we're weeks. winning five 0 then. <laughs> Fuck the two 0 That's what I'm saying. They've got a couple injuries. I was doing the um, the preview today. I see Michael Halloran was absent in the weekend. Always got the fear for him because he's absolutely rapid. I don't think he's the best footballer, but just that no, pace gives me the fear. The Theo Walcott school of yeah, football. Yeah. Uh, and big Sean Rooney's out as well. I, I think Rooney's out for a couple of weeks. So, oh, well, that's massive. Th- th- this is where this blind optimism is coming. I'm telling you, Nandwili, 1-0. Stick the house on it. Well, th- well, the last time I stuck money on Nandwili to win, it had come through for me. It worked, in fairness. So, <laughs> Imagine, he's, he's gone from hero at Ibrox to zero at Tiny to hero at McDermott Park. 
He'll shoot us. And then zero up the Tawdry again. I know. He'll get sent off and give away a penalty at Aberdeen or something. But anyway, we will get to all of that next week as yeah next week's going to be an interesting one because we'll have the St. Johnson game to review we will have the Aberdeen game to review and then we will have the very small matter of our currently direct rivals coming to Tynecastle as Dundee United come along and see what happens there uh, we probably won't be on the same points as them by the time we play them hopefully we'll be above them but we'll just need to wait see. you look like you're very deep in thought about Dundee no, United uh, yeah I think United go to Livingston midweek. Can't remember. Yeah, who they do. Who, can't remember who they've got the weekend. Yeah, can I? Oh god. Well, it's oh, going to be exciting. What, but... a, what a terrible trio of fixtures. I know it's a nightmare. But massive thank you for suffering through this episode as probably the most downbeat episode we've had this season. But hey, <laughs> the fact that we've got to the end of October and we can say that is an achievement in and of itself. Just had to host it, didn't I? Shock. Yes, exactly, exactly. But we have been the Perth to Paisley podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get us on social media, it is all below us on the YouTube version. But if you're listening, it's Perth to Paisley on all the social medias. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice if you are an audio listener. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. Please leave a like. Please leave a comment. It's much, much appreciated. If you want to get in contact with us elsewhere, we do have the email, perthapaisley at gmail.com as well. Adam, where can they get in contact with you personally on social media? They can get me on all the socials at Adam T. Kendall. And what about yourself, mate? I'm at dmciver22. As I said, we'll be back next week to cover the St. Johnston game, the Aberdeen game, preview the Dundee United game at home and anything else that comes up from within then. But we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Keep the faith, Mother Jai team!